So I didn't realize that there are apparently women involved in your human trafficking gang. Yeah, in this organized criminal gang. So what you have to understand is this. They didn't want the case file, the evidence to be that I manipulated people by being nice to them to make TikTok videos. That's not what they wanted. They put me all over the news. They searched every house I own in the country with armed men. They were looking for victims of something. Yes. They were looking for scorned ex-girlfriends. Any woman to come forward and say that she was hurt by me. They were looking for real evidence. The fact that the case file is so laughable now is just because real evidence doesn't exist. So when you have no real evidence, you go for junk evidence. You try to make your case on human trafficking based on, well, they were nice to these girls on TikTok. And these are girls who would say to me, hey, share my post on Instagram. I'll be like, yeah, no problem. So, you know, because I'm a big social media guy. I don't know a single person when I had Instagram from my cameraman to my personal trainer who didn't ask me to blow them up on Instagram. But that is now the link they have between me and these people saying that they're human traffic, even though these people, you know, defend me. But there are two women involved, yes. My personal assistant and her friend got thrown in prison with me. Essentially, their crime was inviting one of the alleged victims to a birthday party that I wasn't even at that happened in this house. That's but how they How long were these two women in prison? The same 92 days. The same 92 days. You know, the worst part- Have they been charged? Uh, yeah, along with us. They're part of the organized criminal gang, which is hilarious because Luana, one of the girls, has never, ever, in the whole six years I've known her, had a conversation with Andrew once. They don't know each other. Andrew didn't even know her name. And she's apparently a part of this organized criminal gang. Um, the interesting part is, do you remember Christopher Hitchens when he was alive? I knew him well. Oh, well, I've never met the guy, but I read an article he did for Vanity Fair about 11 or 12 years ago where he volunteered to be waterboarded to test the effectiveness of torture on foreign prisoners. And the conclusion he came to was, in the article, and I remembered it vividly when I was in jail, if you don't have the answer to their questions and you are being tortured, you can psychologically break. You have to be torturing people who do know the answers. Otherwise, this is an ineffective mode of uh, operating. And essentially, the way I look at the way these two women were treated was they were locked in prison because they know us. They're an attack vector on us. One is my personal assistant, so she knows everything I do. She does airport pickups, pays my electricity bills. And every week or so, they had the keys of freedom dangled in front of them. Are you ready to tell us about the Tate's criminal activities now? And they said no, and they stayed in prison. The next week, you ready to tell us about the criminal activities that the Tate brothers did? And the problem is, they can't have told the police about criminal activities that I take part in, because those criminal activities don't exist. So I see it as a method of psychological torture. I'm not mad I was sent to jail. Any notions of being angry at injustice and stuff that I truly have in my soul is for those two girls who went to jail with me because they didn't deserve it. I, I mean, I've probably done something in my life that made me deserve something. You know, these, these are two wonderful people, wonderful people. And they were sent to prison with me, one, one for having the crime of being my personal assistant and one for the crime of knowing me and showing up at parties where these alleged victims who say they weren't victims were at. And they're charged in this organized criminal But gang. to be clear, none of the charges pertain to sex. No. Rape. No. Selling anyone. No. Slavery, moving people across international borders to pimp them out. No. But that's certainly what they would have wanted. It's not the fact that, the, as I said, the evidence is junk because they now have to put a case together. But I'm confused as to how what you're being accused of constitutes human trafficking. Well, it's a very loose, um, it's a very loose law. It's a very, uh, the, I mean, 
But the term doesn't seem to have a real definition. No, no, it doesn't. Especially when you understand that the Romanian alleged victims, who say they're not victims, have lived in this country for 10 to 15 years before I ever showed up here. So I'm not sure how the trafficking took place. But in a very loose way, they had to prove I was doing something with women by coercing them for my financial benefit, which is how we ended up with the TikTok story. Because the real evidence they wanted Maybe the prosecutors, maybe the people who attacked me genuinely thought I was a pimp. Maybe they did when they started this. And they assumed that the perp walk and putting me in handcuffs and walking me in front of the cameras would have women coming forward saying they were harmed. Maybe they were looking for real evidence. I don't believe if they knew that they were going to end up with this TikTok story, they would have initiated this attack in the first place. I why, really don't think Why do you think they did? What do you think this is actually about? I think this is about Andrew. I think this is about Andrew. And... The way to attack somebody is through his loved ones. I'm not going to say that, you know, Andrew got me put in jail. But what a way to get to Andrew than to throw his little brother in jail and say he's part of your gang, he's a human trafficker too. Because I don't even have any allegations of misogyny against me. I've never made a YouTube video and joked about men being better drivers. I've never done any of these things. But I had to go to jail along with him. So uh, attacking me was a way of attacking him. And attacking my personal assistant and her friend I think was a way of hoping you were going to turn these women into prosecution witnesses, essentially, to lie and say that we did crimes. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's about Andrew and his message. That's all it's about. And it's the gender role stuff, you think? The gender role stuff, telling men to be men, uh, it's just dangerous for, the, for what the, Andrew calls the matrix or the deep state is trying to purport on men today. It's very interesting to think that the first man ever banned from discussion in UK public schools is Andrew Tate. Adolf Hitler, you're allowed to talk about him during World War II and after World War II, the leader of Argentina during the Falklands War, Osama bin Laden after 9-11, terrorists, school shooters, the 7-7 bombers who attacked the subway in London. You are allowed to discuss all these people in school. The first man ever to be banned is a mixed race, a half black kid from the projects who came up out of the projects and became a multimillionaire. Maybe they just want the working class to stay the working class. Maybe they, they don't want people like him opening his mouth. Maybe it's because he joked that men are better drivers than women, and he's a misogynist. I don't think it's the third option. I think it's either option one or option two. I think he's dangerous to what people want to purport on the society. And it, it's, it's as simple as that. It's certainly not because I've human trafficked anyone. That's not why I was in jail. That can't be why I was in jail, because that had never happened. What was it like being in jail with your brother? Romanian jail is no picnic, but frankly, once they moved me into a room with Andrew, frankly, I quite enjoyed, enjoyed jail. You know, I think that in, when I got out, I spoke to a girl I knew and she goes, you know, in, in three years, you'll laugh about this. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I was laughing in jail and I'm laughing right now. They're, they might send me back for five years for TikTok theft, but TikTok, <laughs> theft. TikTok theft. That's what I'm officially accused of. But, but frankly, I, I quite enjoyed it. I feel like me and my brother are very busy people. We live together. Uh, we've spent every waking hour together since we were born, essentially. But we have our own lives to live. You know, I've got my daughter. I've got business to run. He's got business to run. We're both at our laptops a lot. We're on our phones a lot. We're on our devices a lot. I said to Andrew after the first month, I said, you know, we may have had more meaningful conversations this month than we would have potentially had this year if we hadn't been sent to jail. So I feel like our relationship is stronger than before. And there's no universe where I can't make Andrew laugh. 
and you have all the time in the world to play your stupid jokes. So every time someone didn't want to smoke a cigarette, you insult them, you call them names, that's what guys do. Andrew would go out to visit the doctor or the lawyer, etc. I don't know if he's gonna be back in 10 minutes or in an hour. And I'd open a pack of cigarettes and stand by the door like this. So the first thing he does when he opens the door is me forcing him to smoke a cigarette. I had all the time in the world to play jokes on him. So I didn't, I still don't see it as such a negative thing. And people will call me crazy. But I, it was me and my brother drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, talking. You know, we have an innumerable amount of stories and experiences and ideas. And he knows things I don't. I know things he doesn't. I'm a Christian. He's a Muslim. We have ideas that conflict and we debate because we're smart. And I really think it brought us closer together. What so, was it like to be off your phone for nine months or 90 days? 92 days. It was, um, you get used to it very quickly, but you have nothing to do with your hands. That's the problem. My cigarette's gone out. That's why I started smoking. <laughs> but everything became entertainment. I don't like junk food. I don't like sugar. Andrew would get a chocolate bar from somewhere. You want half? Yeah, fine. Because that was fun. Um, new sensations became entertainment. We had a bottle of mouthwash. We didn't use it every time. Every four days, I'd use some mouthwash. It would kind of make me smile because it would remind me of life outside of prison. So in this world of constant bombardment and constant stimulation, you find an appreciation for the things in life that you overlooked before. A handshake, a hug, a joke. And I appreciated those things much more now that I've come out of jail than I ever did before. What an interesting take on it. What, did you meet anyone interesting in there? Interesting. Define interesting. Um, I met people, to be fair to the Romanian justice system, it works the way it does because Romania hasn't got much money. If you arrest some guy because you suspect he's been breaking into cars, for example, and you, you know, can't hold him without evidence and you let him go, you'll never find him again. He'll go back to his village and you'll never see the guy again. So there was one kid who was in jail for looking in car windows, essentially. We're gonna investigate this guy month after month after month. Couldn't afford four lawyers were just sitting around in jail. So people had very interesting stories. I met heroin dealers, real human traffickers. I mean, like actual human traffickers. I'd go to court and the policeman who would escort me would say, oh, they definitely got to let you out. And I'd say, why? They said, because I see real human trafficking cases. They've got basements and dungeons with urine stained mattresses and handcuffs and messages saying better get back out on the streets. That's real human trafficking. They're accusing you because you told a girl to post a TikTok video at a certain time because it's better interaction. That's their evidence against you. You're definitely getting out. And then I didn't get out and all the police were shocked. So I met some very interesting prisoners. I met some very interesting prison guards. Um, yeah, but- What were the guards like? The guards were very good people. Really? Mm. I feel like, the guards knew, they know what a criminal is and what a criminal isn't. I'm not gonna say they knew my case. I'm not gonna say they knew I was innocent, but they know what human traffickers, rapists, sexual criminals actually look like because they deal with them day to day. One of the policemen was telling me a story of after a day in court, he had to stay in the police van, his hands were shaking because he couldn't escort the guy back into jail because he said I was gonna get on my nightstick and break his teeth in because he saw what the guy had been doing to children. You know, these guys know what real criminals look like. And a lot of them just wanted to make sure we were okay. They didn't want anything bad to happen in the prison. And I, I could say I made two or three friends from the guards. They were very good people doing their job diligently and nobody abused their power and nobody mistreated anyone. Yeah, real, real good people. And they, they weren't the ones who did this to me. So I couldn't harbor any hate towards them. Who do you them. think did it to you? Mm. 
I don't want to say anything that's going to get me into trouble on yeah. this one. But you have a good but sense of it. I, let's just say this would have happened in any NATO or European Union country that I chose to live in. It would have happened. It would have happened in Spain. It would have happened in Poland. It would have happened in France. The French, the Spanish, and the Polish have nothing against me. I think the Romanians have really have nothing against me. The Romanian people love me. You know, Romania is the most Catholic, is the most Christian country in the world outside of the Vatican City. 98.8% Orthodox Christian. These people share the same values as me. They don't feel people like me should be locked up. I have so much support in Romania from both powerful people and common people alike. So it's very hard for me to believe that the Romanians woke up one day and thought, this guy who publicizes how wonderful our country is and spends millions of dollars here in this country, let's get him. I find it very difficult to believe that that was a Romanian idea because it's not the kind of thing you would do. Why would you? If you had a great neighbor move into your neighborhood, raise the property values, talk about how great your neighborhood is, he was a law-abiding citizen, didn't hurt anyone, would you think, yeah, we need to go throw petrol bombs in his house? Let's burn his house down, let's get him out. No, you wouldn't. So I believe this would have happened anywhere. So I won't say who did it, but I don't hold Romania responsible at all, and I never will. People said if they drop this case, oh, they can't just drop it because you'll sue the country. And I famously tweeted, I will never sue the country of Romania. Romania has struggling hospitals, struggling orphanages, infrastructure issues, the pensions are a mess, the teachers need pay rises. You, they've, made, they've made me feel welcome up until this point, and this has been my home country. My daughter is a Romanian. I'm not gonna steal $200 million from the government and do what with it? I don't need the money. I don't want this to reflect negatively on this country in any way, but it has. Who with money and power and influence wants to come here now? It's made people nervous and that hurts me. As I said, my daughter is a Romanian citizen. This is her country. So it's my country too, isn't it? So I don't like the reputational damage this country has faced. And who, exactly who did it, I think in five or six years, we'll, we'll find out. There'll be fingerprints on a lot of pieces of paper that we'll be able to, to know exactly why this happened. But it didn't happen because I'm a human trafficker. Do you feel human trafficked? Do you feel kidnapped, Tucker, here in my house? I feel very charmed, and that's a form of human trafficking. Yeah, no, technically it is, yeah. Oh. Uh, when did you become a Christian? Shortly after moving here. I, I was disenfranchised with Christianity. I just mentioned Christopher Hitchens. I read a few books that he wrote when I was younger. And I thought, you know what? I looked around England and the way society was collapsing and the way Christians behaved. I mean, this pride flags in churches, this is a relatively new phenomenon, but let's just say it started with versions of reality I saw like that. And I thought, you know, Christian, Christians don't really stand for anything anymore. I challenge any atheist to walk around Romania and just insult Jesus Christ, to the normal Romanian man. People say, oh, well, if you insult the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, the Muslims will punch you in the face. Go and do that in Romania and insult Jesus. The Romanians stand for something. And I saw how Christianity holds this country together. You couldn't wear that watch in London. Walking around London with that watch and no bodyguards could be a death sentence. You could get as drunk as you like by yourself in any bar in Bucharest with that watch on and no one's gonna steal it from you. The Romanian people are good people and Christianity is what helps hold the society together. Also, the, the maternal grandfather of my daughter is an Orthodox Christian priest. So even when I was dating his daughter, he was insisting that the grandkids have to be baptized, etc. And I, I fell back into Christianity by reading the Bible cover to cover six years ago. And it opened my eyes to what I was standing against as an atheist. And I thought, why would I stand against this? And then look at atheists. Go to uh, these men standing naked with their dicks out in front of kids, you know. These people aren't Christians. Look at how the atheists behave how they fetishize serious issues like abortion 
Haha, <laughs> 30 abortions, this is funny. No, it's not funny. I'm not even saying it should be illegal, but that's not funny. These are, these are all atheists. These are the godless people. That's my team? I looked around and thought, these people don't represent me. Why am I saying I'm an atheist? Let me at least investigate what I'm missing out on. And that's what converted me. What was your childhood like? Uh, you know, I don't want to say difficult. I don't want to say difficult because me and my brother were always a team and we always lifted each other up in difficult situations. And now that I look back on things, when we first moved to England, we lived in a homeless shelter for three years with a bunch of other families. We had one single room, my mother, my sister, my brother and me. And when I was a kid, like you'd go to your friend's house at school and then he'd be like, I'll come to your house next weekend. And my mother would have to explain to his mother, look, he can't come here. We live in a homeless shelter. But it never really hurt me at the time. I didn't feel like I was hard done by, by the world. I didn't feel like a victim. I didn't have this victim mentality because my father wouldn't allow me to think that way. So I can say it was difficult in retrospect compared to how my kids are gonna be raised. They're gonna have a much easier life than I had. But I didn't have a difficult time dealing with it when, it, when I was going through it. So I'd say my childhood was excellent because I had a mother who made sure we had three meals a day a mother who had my clothes washed and ironed and repaired. If a button fell off, she could fix it. Uh, she took care of us. She read books to us. You know, I read a lot of books myself. We're, we're not university educated. We left education at 16 years old, high school. So we're self-educated people. And yeah, I, I liked my childhood. I think it was, it was very fun. Why did you leave the UK? But money. My father got essentially screwed over by the VA, a story that I won't tell here. But Although he played chess and he was a very smart man, he had no money, none. And there was a point when my mother and him, I believe, were going through the divorce and she made the point of, look, if something happens to the kids, we can't afford to take them to the hospital. And they made the decision together saying, well, look, the kids are British citizens, you're a British citizen, go over and live in England. We'll see if we can fix the marriage at some point in the future. It never happened. But it was a financial issue that made us move. And probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. Did you think about staying there when you became an adult? Did I think about going back to the United States? No, back to the UK. Like about, Oh, back to the UK. Uh, uh, no, well, I've always felt British. I moved to England when I was eight. So I was very young, very, you know, uh, it's why my British accent is stronger than Andrew's because he was a year and a half older than me by the yeah. time we moved there. But I really liked England and I'm super proud of England and proud to be British, which upsets me because obviously England's falling apart. But I consider myself English. So I, I like that country. I can't move back now. When the government is saying you can't talk about this guy's brother in school, I'm going to move back there. I'm public enemy number one. And bad things will happen. Worse than they happened here, I suspect. So sadly, I can't go back to England. But I do love England. I said, if I could, if I could swear loyalty to any British leader ever, it would have been the Queen of England. King Charles, not so much. But like, everyone's like, oh, who do you vote for? You know, Labour or Conservative, Liberal, Democrat? I was like, no, Queen Elizabeth II. That's the politician I'm proud of. I don't want to hear about the others because they're not interesting and they just want to see the country fall apart. Do you think the monarchy will continue? If Charles dies soon, and I hope he doesn't, I believe that people will rally behind William in a way they have not rallied behind Charles. I believe that William is a much more popular figure. I believe that William has less skeletons in his closet, let's say. I believe that he could revive the English love for the monarchy, which died with Queen Elizabeth II. Um, it depends how long Charles is the placeholder. But unfortunately, everything great about England is being destroyed. 
And the royal family is one of those institutions that I believe to be a great institution, one of the great things about England. So there are people actively seeking to destroy it. If I had my way, the monarchy wouldn't go anywhere. But why are people seeking to destroy it, do you think? And more broadly, the West? Well, they don't want anybody to have anything to be proud of. It's the reason, it's the reason buildings are ugly. It's the reason they'll take down your national flags. Um, it's the reason they allow mass amounts of unchecked immigration of people from different cultures, some of them good, some of them bad, to flood into your borders. They just don't want anybody to have anything to rally behind, whether it be a flag or a monarch. So then they can just divide people and tell people how to think, what to do, how to behave. You know, if I say, no, 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 Queen Elizabeth has these certain values and I like to, I'm British, so I'm going to have the same values as her. I like to, I like, I'll give you an example. I like to speak the Queen's English. Now it's the King's English, but that's what it's called. English people can't even speak their own language anymore. You ever been to London? Heard their accents? Yes. I, know, I, mean, I know Americans who are illiterate, but it is the English language, so I'll bully the English. There are British people who speak one language who can't even speak it right. No, no, no. Speaking the Queen's English was the standard we used to set for people to communicate with one another. That's gone. So it's sad that these people want to destroy the foundations of almost every society. And what better way in England to destroy the foundation of British society and British pat uh, patriotism than destroying the crown? Where did your views come from? <laughs> I mean, both you and your brother seem to have a very coherent worldview. Yeah. That even if I didn't agree with it, of course I do, but yeah. if I didn't, I would still think, boy, these guys have thought it through. You, you left school at 16. 16. You both became professional fighters. Yes. So how did this develop? We had very little else to do than to, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, is no, this is no joke. Like people joke, they say, how do, you, how do you feel being under home arrest? I joke and I say, I was under home arrest for seven years. I was broke, my car had no gas and I had nowhere to go. I was in a smaller apartment than this. I was in self-imposed home arrest from having no money. Me and Andrew have never had much to do, but we've always loved discussing ideas. And we're always with the other person who at least is matched intellectually. And we've agreed on things and disagreed on things. Even now, like I said, he's a Muslim, I'm a Christian. I came out of jail. I've read four books on Islam since getting out of jail. Why? Not necessarily to counter-argue with him, but just to learn more about issues that are important to him. We read books on history. Um, and I think if you have a very good understanding of history, you can understand the problems in the modern world. Yes. And that, that's, a, that's a massive problem. I get mad at Romanians for it. Romanians don't know their own history. And I'll literally get mad at Romanians for not knowing their history. Like so. medieval history or like Ceausescu history, recent um, history? Even if you take World War II history, yes. for example, every single um, Romanian city and Romanian village has a little war memorial in the middle yeah. listing all the names of the people who died. I say to Romanians, where did these men fight? Where did they die? Nobody knows that when, when uh, Paulus', Paulus army approached Stalingrad, his I was entire, about to say they died yeah, in Stalingrad. Exactly, his was, entire rear guard was right. Romanians and Italians. That's exactly right. And Zhukov's counterattack, out of 259,000 Romanian soldiers, 139,000 died in that's that right. counterattack. And then the rest got dragged into Stalin's Russia Absolutely. and were, never came Absolutely. back. And, no one, and when Romanians don't know that, I get offended. I'm like, how can you not know that? How can you be proud of being a Romanian and drive past that monument every single day and not know where those men fought and died? So even out of respect for the country I live in, I'll learn its history. So I, I just, when you know history, you can look at the modern world and see what's wrong with it, what's right with it, what's going wrong, what could go wrong. And I feel like an understanding of history is the basis of Wine and Andrew's knowledge, if you, if you, if you can even call it knowledge. Because I, I don't consider myself a professional in anything, besides maybe kickboxing. <laughs> and that's it. Do you miss it? No, I'm lucky. 
I had a car crash at 28, ruined my shoulder, so my retirement was final. I had to retire. I had one MMA fight after that, and I lost because my shoulder dislocated when I was uh, wrestling with the guy, and I tapped out. Obviously, the haters love to watch that fight and be like, oh, look, he tapped out for no reason. I was trying to push the guy off. My shoulder slipped out of place. So um, I don't miss it, and I'm very lucky that I'm in the position where, like with prison, I see good in every situation. I can't go back to it now. So it's fine. I did it. I'm very proud of myself. I'm the two-time European champion. 28, car crash. I've washed my hands of it. I still stay in good physical condition. I still train very hard. I still take my health very seriously. But going back to fighting isn't an option I have. Where you look at some fighters, we were talking about them earlier. I'm not going to name and shame anyone because I respect every, I respect every boxer who's ever got in the ring. But some guys, they're old. They're still getting in the boxing ring. They're still fighting people they shouldn't. They don't know what else to do. I had to move on. So by definition, I can't miss it because going back isn't an option. So I got very lucky. Andrew misses it a lot more because he could always get back into perfect shape and go fighting again. So he misses it a lot more and it's haunted him up until about two or three years ago. He was like, oh, did I do the right thing? Retiring, should I have gone back? Fifth world title, sixth world title. Because it's just who he is. He's a warrior in his, in his, in his soul and he loves war. Um, but war can be just and war can be noble. It doesn't have to be you know, what we typically think of as war. Andrew, Andrew's at war with the world and he always has been. Andrew 10 years ago, no, 10 years ago, 14, 15 years ago, I'd watch a internet debate. I can't remember the exact debate I was watching. I think it was one of the, back when Intelligence Squared used to host yes. those debates. I used to watch those 14, 15 years ago before everyone's attention span was ruined by TikTok. And I said to Andrew, Andrew, you have to come and watch this debate. It was absolutely amazing. I think it was about reparations in the United States. It was on the issue of reparations. I said, there's a great debate, Andrew. You have to come watch it. And he looked at me and went, we're broke, Tristan. I said, what? He goes, you're sitting there watching debates. We have no money. How are we going to pay the rent? We are broke. He was furious. And he was always at war, like singularly focused on becoming successful in every single metric, which was very cool because then it inspired me. I was like, yeah, what am I watching debates for? I don't know how to pay the electricity bill to keep watching these next month. Let's get to work. So he's always inspired me a lot, but he's been at war with the world in a very healthy and positive way. Have you guys always lived together? Yeah, always. Always, from, my, from living in my mother's house to moving out together. And we just, I don't know why I wouldn't live with him. And people say like, oh, it's weird you share a house. I've got nine bedrooms. You've seen this place. It's, yeah. If I want private space, if I want to sit by myself or you know, with my girlfriend or, you know, I've got plenty of room to be alone, but he's always- Why, is, why do people say it's weird to live with your brother? I have no idea. I feel like Western society, the ideas that are purported to young men to divide, you know, if you have three or four brothers in a family, oh, go to different universities, study different things, pay a bunch of different rents to a bunch of different people. The idea, which is more Middle Eastern of pooling your resources and keeping the family together is uh, not something the West pushes anymore. Um, you know, I've heard the, have you ever heard the expression, never mix family with business? Oh, of course. Why? Why? Every penny, every penny that me and Andrew make is, goes into joint bank accounts. We've shared all of our resources forever since we had no money to now we have a lot of money. Why shouldn't you mix family with business? Who else are you going to trust? Oh, I agree. The man I grew up with and knew my entire life or some guy who I met last year. Why, so why, why do they say that? for the same reasons they do everything. That destroys the, the nuclear family, the modern society, the idea of men being close friends and being you know, respectful to one another and working together as a team. They want you all divided. 
Because when you're fighting a, an individual war against your life, the struggle, your bank balance, maybe your wife, your kids who don't respect you, when you're fighting that individual war, you're never going to unite and fight any kind of war that you need to fight together. Even in Romania, look, 1989, there was a massive revolution here. Yeah. Say what you want about communism and, and Ceausescu, and I hate communism, and I don't want communism to come anywhere, neither do the Romanians. But Romania is a traditional society, a Christian society. Nuclear family is very, very important to them. Family values are very important to them. How many drug addicts have you seen on the streets? None. Zero. Zero. Why? Because if a Romanian becomes a drug addict, his parents, his grandparents, someone will take him in, get him off the drugs. You know, that's the backbone of society. We have zero funding here. That's why I'd never sue this country. Zero for anti-drug programs, mental health programs. How many crazy people are harassing you when you walk around? None. There we go. The family is very, very important. And I love Romania. So yeah, and they throw revolutions when they don't like something. They overthrew the president six years ago. You know, they, they'll get together and say, no, we, we've had enough. Well, they shot Ceausescu and his wife. They shot him and his wife. Indeed, they did. Executed him. But uh, I'm not a fan of communism and neither are the Romanians. But Ceausescu wasn't, if you, if you know about his life, he wasn't necessarily an evil man. But he was a completely uneducated man. It's easy in 2023 to say communism doesn't work. I know it doesn't work. You know it doesn't work. It's 1945, Romania. Communism's a new idea. Everyone's broke. Maybe we should try this. The people, some of the people who got into it and bought into it didn't necessarily do it with the worst of intentions. Right. Anyone pushing communism today is either either thinks they're working under good intentions because they don't understand history at all. Like I said, lack of understanding of history. Or they're evil. They're truly evil. Because we know it doesn't work and we know how it ends up. Why do you think, I mean, and it seems to target the family first. Hmm. I mean, the, the separation of the nuclear family gives the state the ability to raise your kids. And my brother's probably touched on this. The moment there's no father at home, the moment uh, the mother's busy working, not at home cooking meals and raising the kids and reading books to them like my mother was, then who's raising your kids? The school, the internet, the television, whatever ideas we put on those are the ideas the kids are gonna grow up with. We don't want dad out working and mom at home with the kids 24 seven. No, 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 the mother of my kids, call me sexist if you want, never has to work again. She can have passions, she can have interests. She wants to learn the violin, the piano, dance ballet. She's a former gym, gym, gymnast, one of them. Go and do this, good. You do what you enjoy. Don't worry about the money, I'll, I'll make the money. Pursue your passions because I want you at home with the kid. That's what I want. And people call me a misogynist and they call me sexist for it. Why, I've chosen her, she's obviously a good woman. I want her raising my daughter. I don't want her in a daycare with God knows who. Luckily in Romania, I'm relatively safe from that, but I mean, I've seen some questionable people working in your daycares in the United States, and it makes me very worried. Yeah, nobody cares anymore. Mm -mm. What do the women in your lives think of your relationship with your brother? <sighs> they think it's beautiful. The only type of woman, they come around to it very quickly. I feel like even if they, they're like, oh, you're 35 almost, and your brother's 36, and you live together, they'll find it weird until they see our relationship and see how we interact with each other and see how we live and see how we work together. They'll find it weird up until that point. I've only ever actually ever had Western women call it weird. I've only had, because Eastern Europeans have a different kind of mindset. They get why two men would work together and team up. In uh, England, I've had English women say it's weird. We've had women try to get in between our relationship throughout our life. I don't know why they even tried, it's stupid. 
But um, it hasn't worked. Mm. But I also feel like, I mean, throwing me in jail, the authorities here or whoever was attacking me certainly underestimated our relationship. They thought Andrew was going to, I don't know, say something he shouldn't to get me out of jail. They thought I might roll on him to get myself out of jail. I don't know why they thought throwing us all in jail and saying we were a gang was a good idea. But you try to find weak links in a group. And also the fact that my personal assistant, God bless her, didn't lie about us to get herself out of jail. Mine and my brother's relationship, and I want to make this very clear, inspires the other people around us to loyalty. I have such high standards of what loyalty means because I have Andrew that I expect absolutely nothing less from my friends. I mean, you've seen this house. There are men sitting around this house. They've flown across the world, 24 hours, some of them, to come sit on house arrest with me as opposed to enjoying their lives and running their businesses or seeing their kids. They're here with me. The loyalty we have for each other translates into every other aspect of our lives. I feel like we get more loyalty from women. We get more loyalty from friends. We, un we have a standard to measure loyalty against, and it's a standard that's 100%. So that's a beautiful thing about our lives as well. So that it works. It helps everything. How much of the media coverage of yourself and your brother do you read? Quite a lot, but I know what the articles are going to say based on who says them, you know? And I, I've heard fans of mine raise some questions, raise some quite legitimate questions about the webcam studio I used to own. Was that human trafficking? We can cover this in a minute. But I, I tried to read as much of it as I can, especially when I got out of jail, because I wanted to see where the land lays. But it's, it's the comments section that overwhelmingly tell me the consensus of people. The most violent hit pieces can be made against me. The worst interviews, trashing my name, saying I'm a danger to society. I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't be around anyone. I should be locked up forever. It's the comment section on those that tells me the true measure of who supports me and who doesn't. Because the people who hate me are just loud. They're very loud, but I don't think they're very big in number because the comment section trashes them, even on their own matrix media, mass, uh, um, mainstream media articles. The BBC will post an article. BBC people who subscribe to that page and like the BBC watch that video. The comment section trash them, trash them. So that's what makes me happy. It's the comment section. So keep up the comments, guys. Why is BBC so single-minded in its attacks on you? Well, don't look at BBC. I mean, you know this. You can't look at BBC as a media organization. What funds the BBC? The TV licensing fee, the ta UK taxpayer. It is the government's propaganda branch. When there are big riots in London, the BBC doesn't cover them until three days later. They don't want to inspire people to go, to go down to London and protest. It's not a news organization any more than it is a government-funded agency for telling the British people what to believe and what to think. So the fact that the British politicians don't like Andrew means the BBC, by nature, by instruction, have to hate him. A journalist who likes Andrew would not be allowed to come here if he worked for the BBC and ask fair questions. Questions like, you haven't been convicted of anything. Why did you spend so much time in jail? That would be a very normal question to ask him. They're not allowed to. They are the government's propaganda arm in the way that every single, in the way that the North Korean television station is the arm of the North Korean propaganda arm. It's funded by the government. It's run by the government. It purports the government's ideas, no matter what they are. And Andrew Tate is a danger to society for some reason. So that's why the BBC hates him, because the government hates him. What else is the BBC? Do independent journalists hate Andrew? Not, almost none that I've met. So, When you say that even some of your supporters have questions about your webcam business, what, mm. what is that? What does that mean? 
So I'm, I'm glad you asked that, because I'd actually like to clear this up. Andrew is a Muslim, and I'm a Christian. In a previous life, me and my brother used to run a streaming company, essentially, where pretty girls would stream online and talk to dudes online. You know, get, there was some nudity involved. And it was a, a studio, essentially. The girls worked for my company. They had contracts to work for my company. They got paid very, very well. And people were like, ah, he, they were involved in, in that business where they recruited women. Is that what they're investigating for the human trafficking allegations? No. No, no, no. The human trafficking charges filed against me because they, they called the women who used to work for me. Yeah, great boss. I made some money. My life has moved on. And they hung up the phone on the police. The charges are that, are that in 2021, I recruited friends of mine by brainwashing them to steal their TikTok money. If the police could have found a link between anything illegal and any business I've run, from my webcam studio to any company I've ever run, they would have put it in the case file. It simply does not exist. So that's not connected at all not to the at, church? Not at all. The webcam studio was shut four and a half, five years before I allegedly started this kidnapping gang. So they're not connected. So you do not way. run a web business now? No, absolutely business. not. And also none of the alleged victims are girls who've ever worked at my streaming company in the past. There's zero connection at all. But I get why well-intentioned fans of mine will be like, oh, well, he was talking about this business he used to run. Was he trafficking those people? I, that's a very fair question. It's a very fair question. But there is no connection at all. And the case file will eventually come out. The charges and what's, uh, what I'm accused of will come out. Is there any money that's been made in the case file? One dollar from illicit activities, for, even from TikTok that reached my bank account. Is that in the case file? No. So you guys don't make money from TikTok, even though? No, I mean, we, we have people who put us, ourselves, on TikTok to kind of spread our own message. Do we directly or indirectly make money from promoting ourselves on TikTok? Maybe. That's not human trafficking. Did I traffic myself? Is Andrew trafficking himself? No, but we, we make no money from TikTok, and we make no money from anyone streaming on TikTok. And I certainly wouldn't need, I don't know how much TikTok influencers make, but I certainly wouldn't need to brainwash people to steal amounts of money like that. You know, oh, do they make $100 million? All right, let's get into the brainwashing business, me and you, let's go, there's, there's money to be made. But that's simply not the case, is it? So to believe that these charges are true, you have to understand that I'm already a father, I'm already a retired sportsman, I'm already a public figure, I'm very well known, uh, one million plus followers on Instagram, the whole world knows who I am. Now's the time to risk it all and start brainwashing and kidnapping people for money, from TikTok. That's what you have to believe my thought process was. And I may seem unorthodox or uncon unconventional to people who may speak to me, but I don't, I don't think I come across as insane. And you'd have to be insane to do that. It doesn't even make any sense. You're accused of kidnapping as well? Well, when they first put me in jail, the word kidnapping was used on the news all the time. Yeah. The official charges now say coercion. So being nice to people, that's what's in the charges. I'm nice to people, and that's how I've kidnapped them, one way or another. But you're not accused, and I'm speaking specifically of the accusations, you're yes. not accused of locking someone in no. your basement or so, physically holding someone captive. This house is allegedly the crime headquarters of my criminal organization. If this TV were on, if you were to walk in this room and look at my TV, I have CCTV cameras all over the house. That was the first thing the police took. And when they took it, I said, thank God. Guys, watch this and let me go. It's done. 
You have a year of footage. Every angle of my house besides the bedrooms, the entrances, the exits, the gates in and out, everything that happens by the pool in this living room. You find any illegal activity there, good, yeah, lock me up. But the fact that nothing that they could put in the case file, the case file contains zero of my CCTV images. Zero, not one. So they took that, watched the whole year of my life and said, ah, this isn't relevant and threw it out. But the fact that that's absent of any crime, if I had a friend who sniffed cocaine on this table, that would be in the case file. If a girl tried to leave once during a heated argument and I'd closed the door and done this on camera, that would be in the case file. And so, you're sure there's no footage from within inside your house? They, the police have it all. I have it all backed up. I might just release it to the whole world, but then people will know too much of my business. But I could release the footage. It'll be the most, world's most boring TV show. It's people sitting around here, talking, smoking cigars, having fun, watching TV, watching movies. They saw all of this. That CCTV evidence, whether they send me to jail or not, exonerates me. Imagine you're a criminal running a drug smuggling ring, for example. The last thing you do, one, is put cameras that record every move you make everywhere to record your criminal activity. But two, if you were guilty of drug smuggling or whatever they accuse you of, or innocent of drug smuggling, that camera footage would either condemn you or exonerate you. And that's not included in my case file. A whole year of CCTV from every single angle. I'll show you the cameras afterwards. You'll laugh. You'll laugh, it's funny. So you said you would never sue the government of, of Romania. Romania. Never ever. But they, they need the money more than me. But it's news organizations that have called you a human trafficker, yep. implied that you're a pimp or yep. a, a white slaver or whatever. You know, yeah. you would sold human beings. Yeah, there are a lot of people who have to be dealt with in a, in a legal way. I don't want anyone to misinterpret that as a threat. But essentially the answer is this. I was asked by a friend, do you think you'll get justice? And I said, what, you think if they drop this now and just say you're free to go, that's justice? After what my family have suffered, after my daughter suffered, after me being locked up in a prison, after me being deprived liberty in my house, the, the damage it's done to my business, my international reputation, my mother, these two women. You think if they drop it now, that's justice? No, 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 no. God is the ultimate arbiter of justice and he will make sure that I do get justice and I will have justice. But this case file disappearing is just the beginning. How is that just? One year and a half I've been labeled a human trafficker. They've been calling me a human trafficker for a year and a half. When you have a daughter who's two and a half and she's banging on the door, screaming to go outside and play with the other kids, but you know you can't let her go outside because if she does, the other kids take their parents in. Uh, the other parents take their kids in. She has no friends. I bought her a dog. She's crying her eyes out. She used to be able to play with the kids in the neighborhood. Now she can't. What about her? Is it justice to drop this file now? No, people will have to pay legally. Don't cut this up and say I'm making threats to anyone. People will have to pay and they will have to suffer the consequences, consequences of the legal system. And I also believe that you can't do such an evil thing to people without suffering some type of rep retribution from the almighty. So good luck to them. And I hope they can sleep at night because I wouldn't be able to. So Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, some talk that they may square off in the ring, a ring you're familiar with. Yeah. Will it happen? If it does, who wins? Here's what would happen. Here's what could happen. Elon would have to take his foot off the gas pedal when it comes to work. I know he's a workaholic. He's insane, yeah. truly inspiring, that man. And I don't think he does anything by halves. If he tried to run all his various companies, do an hour or two of training a day, didn't take it seriously, 
Zuckerberg has a head start in terms of technical skill. Uh, Elon is bigger, he's stronger, he's physically more imposing. If he took six months to train five hours a day, Elon beat Zuckerberg. Is that what it takes? That's what it would take for a man with no combat experience to get to a level to, to beat Zuckerberg, yeah. Zuckerberg's been doing jujitsu now for a couple of years, I think. But five hours a day for six months. I, that's what I would prescribe to guarantee his victory. And you have to understand, for me, Meta banned me. So I still had Instagram and Facebook until I was in jail. In jail without charges. My criminal record is completely clean. If anyone here has anything on their record, I'm, the, I'm, I'm cleaner than you. He deleted my Instagram when I was in prison. I posted photos of me in suits, photos of me with cars, with inspirational quotes. That was my Instagram. I was deleted while I was in prison. I came out, nobody can get my Instagram back ever. It's gone. So obviously I want Elon to win because Elon has my back. I mean, whether he's endorsed me or not, I don't talk to him. I've never met the guy, but I have a Twitter account. So for me, it's good versus evil. Wait, so on what grounds did Facebook, did Meta erase your account? No grounds, no one could find out. No one could find out. Representatives who work within Instagram say this is not a ban that's reversible. This is not a ban anything could do any, and anybody can do anything about. This is an Alex Jones level, this guy's not allowed on the platform. I don't even know what I've said. Like, I literally don't know what I could have possibly said. But, I mean, in their defense, if I ran Instagram, I wouldn't want human traffickers on Instagram. But wouldn't an interesting question be, is this guy actually a human trafficker? Before banning me. I mean, wouldn't that have been the natural many, line of inquiry? How many American citizens have died from fentanyl yes. they purchased over Instagram? I know. To this day, that is happening. I know. And drug I drug know dealers all over Instagram. People are peddling all sorts of hate, all sorts of degeneracy yeah. over Instagram. I literally posted car pictures, usually with a line from a book that I like. Just a cool quote. Me in a suit, me with a car. Me with my dog. That was my Instagram. That was it. That was all I ever did. I didn't do anything weird on Instagram. Um, yeah, I don't know why they banned me. So I would be Team Elon versus Team Zuck. I'd be cheering for Elon. But you think it would take a good six months to get up to that level? To six months, Elon could guaranteed win. Anything could happen in the fight game. I've lost fights I shouldn't have won. I've, I've lost fights I should have won. Anything can happen in the fight game. But I think that Elon is bigger, is stronger. Weight classes exist for a reason. I mean, they, right. they, size is real. And I think Elon could beat him, guaranteed, if he trained for six months. And I see the best fighters in the world um, offering to train Elon. My brother offered on Twitter, Jake Shields, a few other people have said, look, yeah. Elon, I will train you. Uh, if he took that seriously and, and, and took the help he needed, I think six months of training, yeah. A couple of, uh, you wouldn't want to lose to Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> No, you wouldn't. But I've lost to Mark Zuckerberg. Look, I have no, I have no Instagram. I have no, I have no, I don't use WhatsApp. I'm banned from all of it. So has Mark Zuckerberg beaten me? Yeah. So, you know, I'd be, I'd be cheering Elon on. But, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, if you're listening, unban me, bro. Like, why? Why am I banned? At least, at least get somebody from Instagram to explain to me what I was banned for. I'd like that. I really would. I'd like some closure. I don't need Instagram back. But... I'd like to get an explanation because no one who works there can seem to find one. And obviously know lots of important people who know lots of very high up people at Meta. No one can even get an explanation as to why I was banned. What do you think the answer is? Uh, the answer is I'm Andrew's brother. I have similar views as him. When Andrew got banned, my following went up because everyone's following me just to see roughly what I'm up to in life. My stories, which, where I'm chilling, what I do. 
and I'm Andrew Tate's brother, delete me. That, that's, that's the reason. That's kind of a North Korean principle. You it, punish the family. The three generations, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess my kids won't be allowed on Instagram either, but you know, I can't complain too much. That's fine by me. I won't, I won't let my kids have Instagram. It's fine. You don't have to ban them, Mark. It's cool. Do you think, um, since you spend a lot of your life thinking about communications, the media, social media, like where are we in five years? Is speech restored to the average person or is there less speech? I would say, without trying to kiss your ass, because I'm not an ass kisser, that's down to people like you fighting the good fight. Depends on the American political climate, which obviously you have a lot of sway over, and America is the king of the world, whether anyone likes it or not. Um, I believe it's the negative ideas from England and America that have certainly made this happen to me. Yeah. Also, my case is important for countries in Eastern Europe. Obviously, Romania is a big ally of the United States, has been for a very long time. They have a very good relationship with the United States. If Romania are happy to, if, if important people in Romania, who I know speak highly of me, stand up and say, we're not going to publicly crucify this guy because America doesn't like him or because England doesn't like him. I believe this is a very good moment for Eastern European countries as well, NATO allies, That's right. to say, look, we don't have to do everything you say. We don't have to follow this insane agenda of accusing people you don't like with imaginary crimes and throwing them in jail. This could be a victory for Romania. The work you're doing could be a victory for the United States. England's lost, <laughs> so forget England. Yeah. There's no free speech in England, that's over. Yeah, so it all depends on what shifts happen, who wins the next elections, how effective cancellations are, you have people like, you know, Rumble, Elon, fighting against this silencing of every idea that's counterintuitive to the agenda of the deep state or the matrix, as my brother calls them. So I don't know, but it's a very interesting time to be alive. I would like the optimist in me would like to think there's finally enough pushback. So let's take Alex Jones. You don't have to agree with everything Alex Jones says. I like Alex Jones. I, do but I, don't, I don't agree with everything Alex Jones says, and you don't have to. But Bill Maher famously, and credit to him, said when Alex Jones got banned, he said, we shouldn't be banning people. He said, I hate Alex Jones, but Alex Jones should be allowed to talk. Everyone should be allowed to talk in the town square. I feel like when they got Alex Jones, there was no safety net. He is a warrior and he continued fighting and now he's back in the mainstream, good for him. But he was renegated to his own site with his own servers, oh, yeah. streaming every day to small audiences after they asked him off YouTube. Uh, cancellation. no one defended him. No one. I was on vacation that day. Yeah. I was fishing out of the country. And the company that I worked for, which is supposedly in favor of free speech, said not one word in yeah. his defense. And it's like, first they came for Alex Jones. That's, I didn't care because totally I wasn't right. Alex Jones. Yeah, it's the, old, it's the old adage. So now there is a, I don't even want to call it counterculture, but if you cancel people, look, they canceled Andrew. How successful was that? He's sitting here with you today. Yeah. He's bigger than ever. His voice is louder than ever. Now, thanks to people like Alex Jones, who took the initial brunt of the weapon, the cancellation weapon, now there are lots of different platforms, lots of different apps, lots of different applications. I mean, Elon's taken over Twitter, which was a mainstream uh, app, which censored people very heavily. Um, the pushback has started. So the optimist in me would like to look at the trend line and say things are getting better as compared to when they canceled Alex six, seven years yeah, ago. Yeah, it does feel that way. Yeah, it does feel that way. So I'm gonna be hopeful for the future, but also, I don't know what these people are capable of. I don't know what they're capable of. Look, 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 look what's happened in my life. This is unthinkable. Two years ago, if you were to say, hey, Tristan, you'd be in jail for human trafficking. I'd be like, 
What? Human trafficking? How, prison? How long have you been locked up in prison and in your home? I have not been free since December 29th of 2022. I have not had a single day of freedom. I've either been locked in jail or locked up here. I've only ever left this house or left jail to attend court. That's it. And that's a very long time. Think of everything you've done since just before New Year's. Think of all the places you've been, all the people you've spoken to. Since last year? Yeah. yeah. I've been locked in a jail cell with criminals or locked in my house. So when you finally do regain your freedom, yeah. what are you going to do? You know, I'm just going to continue to do what I was doing before. No, but I don't... what's the physical... Like, if I said you can leave your house right now, where's the first place you'd go? Hmm... You know, I think work comes first. I have documents and papers I need to sign in the Middle East for various reasons. I'm not going to broadcast them here because it's another avenue of attack. I have paperwork I need filling out. I just need to be able to live my life. I mean, you, for a man like me, I'm, and I've explained this in court to the Romanian judges, two of them which let me go, wonderful women. They let me out of prison and they put me on house arrest. I said, this isn't just some preventative detention measure because I'm not some drug dealer who's now not dealing drugs because I'm now in jail. I'm an international businessman. You want to know how much money I make and why? Let me sh come, up, come here tomorrow with paperwork and show you. I'll call my accountant. This is why I'm rich. There's no human trafficking. But when you take a man who is an international businessman, who has to travel, who has to meet people, who has to talk to earn his living, and you lock him in the way that I've been locked up, I don't even want to guess how much money this has lost me. I don't even want to get upwards of $50 million. For sure. Cost me and lost me. But, um... I need to get my, I need to just get my life back in order and also enjoy it. I will appreciate things much more after being in jail. So I'm going to continue living the same life as before. Where would I go? I don't know. The Middle East? Maybe England. I need to visit my tailor. I've got a bunch of suits being made, but now I'm scared of England because I know England's my enemy. So what, am I going to go there and get arrested for, I don't know, hate speech? I don't know what they're going to arrest me for. But when people say, oh, they can't just arrest you and throw you in jail for no reason. Yes, they can. And I, I know they can now. Let's make up reasons and look at the BBC to talk about them. So you're a, a, a Christian, you're an American, you're a British passport holder yes. also, but you spend a lot of time in the Middle East. What It does seem like there's a movement, the center of gravity is moving yeah. toward the Gulf. Well, they understand on a base level the issues that truly affect society's downfall. Go and try and buy drugs in the Middle East. I dare you. I dare anybody. They know that when you let morality slip, society falls apart. I can drive my $5 million car around the Middle East with a $2 million watch on. And I can go to various car, uh, cafes, bars, have a few drinks, leave the car there, walk home, leave the car unlocked, no one's stealing it. Because they, they deal with crime and immorality in a very serious way. So I think a because lot of people- Because they're serious things. Absolutely, they are serious things. And a lot of people with money where New York back in the 1970s, 1980s, maybe was in California, probably the best places in the world to live, quite literally. Now you've got a billionaire living in New York or a multimillionaire living in New York. He's older, he's retired, but what, he can't walk the streets at all? He has to stay in his apartment. He needs bodyguards to go to the store, the supermarket. He's like, you know, why not Dubai? What does Dubai have? What does, Dubai, what does New York have that Dubai doesn't? Dubai has everything. It's a wonderful place. The United Arab Emirates is a wonderful place. And Saudi Arabia has opened up recently. And give it five, six, seven years, they've got the money. Saudi Arabia is going to have nice, clean, beautiful, pretty, safe cities that every millionaire or billionaire in the world can enjoy 
and they can go there and enjoy the amenities and live their life without the threat of some psychopath on the subway trying to attack you. And then if what, if you defend yourself, what happens to you? Maybe 20 years, we're about to find out in two cases. It's sickening. So I think that the, uh, and I'll give the credit to religion. I'll give the credit to the Islamic faith. They don't want that bullshit in their country. They don't want their kids being taught immorality in the schools. So if you wanna have kids and you're a very busy man, maybe your wife's very busy too, and you want a comfortable environment where you know that your kids can go to school and learn things like math and history and geography, I know, crazy, right? Without drag queens <laughs> reading stories to them, you can go to the Middle East and be assured of what's happening to your children, to your family, in your home, on your streets. I get the massive push. I get it. And there are different places in the world, like America was, hopefully will be again, but certainly was in the 70s and 80s, when people from even this country right here, which was a shithole back then, wanted to go to America, see the Statue of Liberty, come across on a boat, start a new life for themselves, live the American dream. I feel like the dream of the West is dying. And people are just like, well, where can I live the dream? What's the dream? Nice, happy life, beautiful wife, healthy kids, good healthcare, safe, schools are fine. Mass crime doesn't exist. Drug use isn't prevalent. It's crazy that that's now the dream, isn't it? Isn't it sad what's happened? And um, yeah, to use a, a very famous slogan, I really hope that somebody can make America great again. It's a very good slogan. But even I haven't liked the United States in a long time. I go to the United States, I feel unsafe. I feel unsafe walking around the streets. I see the pandemic of homelessness and drug use. And I'm like, how is this the capital, how is this the capital of the free world? I look at the leadership, it, 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 it just makes me sick on every level. So um, yeah, the Middle East is, is the place to be for now. Maybe one day in 20 years time, America will be the place to be again. And as an American citizen, I'm hopeful for the United States. I am hopeful for it. But it's people like you who are fighting the good fight, so I appreciate you a lot. And there are very few men who I'll ever meet who I'll say I admire you or I'm a fan of yours, but I will say that to your face right now on camera. Well, I appreciate it. I admire you a lot. Thank you for that. No, yeah, no problem. Amazing. Thanks. Younger people say the news is full of lies. Since Kennedy's motorcade. 239 people. Death of Jeffrey Epstein.